Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Hold hands and close your eyes. It's half past midnight, and you're listening to the Ghost Story Pass. Hello, and welcome to Luke Lore, the companion piece to the Ghost Story Guys, where I'm supposed to share folklore tying into the main episodes, yet I'm increasingly going off the rails, sending myself crashing out into the overgrowth of myth and legend just off the beaten path. This being another freeform episode as I discuss some folklore from around Pembroke in the south of Wales. I'm going to be a little bit more performative than usual today for me, as I'm playing with some books I picked up. I was in Pembroke for my anniversary back at Halloween last year, and decided if I'm going to be travelling, I'm going to go dig up some local folklore books while I'm there. Some of what's in these may be usable in the main shows, but there will always be something I can bring to a Luke Lore episode, often smaller or weirder stories that aren't good fits for our main podcast, but I want to highlight in my own little weird sideshow. And so, we have our first Luke Lore brought to you by my misadventures, and we get to go take a look at Pembrokeshire. We have one story from the smaller book, Myths and Legends of Pembrokeshire, retold by Tony Roberts, illustrated by Elizabeth Roberts, which is a nice small Abercastle Productions little uh, more pamphlet. We also have a selection of stories from Pembrokeshire Folk Tales by Christine Willison. Uh, this Pembrokeshire Folk Tales one, I do recommend if you can find it anywhere else because it's got a really nice personable framing device from the author as they're going around and exploring the area. But I've got some good stuff from this to share. I'm quite excited for this one, now to not screw it up. Although, speaking of screwing things up, this episode will contain Welsh. The chances of it being accurate Welsh is slim to none, but I will do my best. First up, uh, I found in the smaller book, it's a water horse story. And it's a slightly less terrifying water horse than usual. This is The Water Horse of St. Bride's Bay. The Kefwell Dwyer, or Water Horse, was one of the most firmly beloved spectres in rural Wales in the past. It was generally a small but beautiful horse which tempted unwary travellers to ride, but suddenly galloped away throwing the rider to destruction, except ministers who were allowed a peaceful journey. The Water Horse was often seen on the shore, dappled grey or like the sand in colour. One was seen in St. Bride's Bay after a storm. A farmer caught it and harnessed it to the plough. Everything went well for some weeks. Then, apparently seized with an impulse, the water horse dragged both plough and ploughman through the field at a furious pace, down to the shore and into the sea, disappearing in the waves. Pretty normal for a water horse, really, just to leave them alone. Ooh, I've got bookmarks and everything to play with. Right. Found there's a lovely monster one here that I really enjoyed. Um, this is, um, oh, it's around the Brimberian area. 
It's This one is The Legend of the Afank. The Afank was a gigantic and fearful creature living on the Presali slopes somewhere above the village of Brinbarian. It ravaged the countryside, killing livestock and ruining the crops. The Afank's birthplace was underwater, where it was born out of the very clay of a deep pool by the bridge in Brimberian. With the body of a beaver and the head of a crocodile, it was said that only magic would defeat the Afank. The inhabitants of Brimberian, living in daily fear for their lives, consulted the Din Hispis, the wisest of folk, for guidance on ridding themselves of the monster that created so much chaos. They were advised to slay him by magic, but the villagers did not know any suitable magic, so, meeting together, they agreed an alternative plan. A trick. They delegated a group of people to ask him to dig a well for the village. He laughed and threw stones at them. They tried a second time, bringing a newly baked cake. The Afank then swallowed the cake in one mouthful, fell asleep, and started to snore. So they came a third time, bringing a bowl of coal. He slurped all the soup... And then I had this group of people. After a dreadful pause, he told them that he would dig the well for them if they promised to bring him cake and soup every day for the rest of his life. The villagers looked at each other and nodded. The spokesperson said they agreed to his terms, for if their plan worked, there would not be too many days more to bring cake and soup. He then agreed to do the work and immediately started digging furiously. As the excavation steadily deepened, the villagers looked down, waiting until he had dug to a great depth. Over 100 yards was recorded. They then tipped huge white stones into the hole, intending to crush him to death. Well satisfied, they all went home and back to bed. But next morning, they found the Afank still digging. He said that there had been a rather heavy snowstorm on the previous day. They tried many other tricks, but all of them failed. The Afank continued killing livestock and spoiling crops for decades, as generations of villagers passed on. Years later, the Afank finally met its end, reportedly dying a natural death. The Afank was buried on the hillside outside Brimberian. His tomb is a cairn of stones, you can see it for yourself. Follow any map to Bed Ear Afank out on the Preseli Moors. Now, I kind of want to go look for that. I might well do that. Uh, I also like that one just because it mentions coal, which is a nice local soup that I enjoyed quite a lot when I was down there. Next bookmark. Right. This story is called Cabin Boy. And it's from the Milford Haven area with a Welsh name I'm not even going to try and attempt. Once there was a sailor called Tom, little more than a lad. He had left home at 13 to make way for his brothers and sisters and to earn some money for his poor widowed mother. He had managed to get a job as a cabin boy aboard a ship. The captain was a strict man, but mostly fur. By the time he was 14, the boy had visited many places, sailed many seas, learned how to dodge the anger of his fellow sailors, and how to be useful on board ship. He rarely suffered the sickness that lay low many a rough, tough, hairy seaman, which enabled him to curry favour with the first mate. He liked nothing better than to listen to the yarns of the older men as they sat below deck in the evening, lighting their pipes and drinking rum. It seemed that the Pembrokeshire coast had always been a busy seafaring place, with many inlets and islands, and a retired sea dog in every cove. A number of older men told stories of piracy and of mermaids, and of green meadows of enchantment lying in St George's Channel to the west of Pembrokeshire, only visible to the eyes of mortals for a brief moment before vanishing. 
Some spoke of sailors who had actually landed on the furry islands without realising where they were until they returned to their boats and watched with horror to see the recently visited island evaporate into thin air. They said that the furries living on these islands regularly came on shore for the markets at Milford Haven. They made the purchases without speaking, laid down the money and departed, always leaving the exact sum required which they somehow knew. Mostly the furries were invisible, but just occasionally they were seen. One particular butcher in Milford Haven was especially favoured by furry customers, who always knew the price of his sausages. Milford Haven folk were able to see the green furry islands distinctly, just a short distance from land, and even to make out their population of furries. They explained that they came to and fro between the islands of Milford through a tunnel under the seabed. I thought that was quite an interesting one about furry cohabitation. Usually these stories always end badly, and I'm pretty sure that if I go digging around that area and find tales of people that try to confront those furries, we'll see a side of the impatient and angry ones. Going directly to Pembroke itself, I wanted to get one of the actual Pembroke stories in, but there weren't that many in this book. Very, very, very small and weird one here, about weasels. There was once a person residing at the castle of Pembroke who found a brood of young weasels concealed within a fleece in his dwelling house. He carefully removed and hid the skin and its contents. The mother weasel, distraught at the loss of her young, and suspecting the householder of killing them, went to a vessel of milk that had been set on the table for the master's young son. Raising herself up, she polluted the milk with her deadly poison, intending the destruction of the child. The man observed what passed and so returned the fleece and its contents. The weasel, now full of maternal feeling, regretted her previous action and so returned to the vessel and overthrew it in gratitude for the recovery of her offspring, saving the child from danger. Very fairy tale, very odd, but kind of cool, that one. And one last brief trip over to meet up with the Fae, we have a small tale called Mermaid's Advice, which does tie into a previous Luke lore when we were looking at the Fur Folk again. A mermaid was said to have been caught by three brothers below Landwinda. Oh no, that's not how you say that. Below Lawinda, near the spot where the French made their landing many years later. They carried her to their home and kept her locked away in a secure place for some time. She begged to be allowed to return to the Brineland and said if they returned her, she would give them three valuable pieces of advice. The truth was that her constant wailing disturbed the sleep of every member of the household. She was of no use to them, and other members of the family insisted that she was returned. As they carried her towards the sea, she gave the people of the house three pieces of advice. Skim the surface of the potage before adding sweet milk to it. It'll be whiter and sweeter, and less of it will do. Take your coins and turn them every time there is a full moon, preferably in the light of the moon. Save some of your cider to pour on the apple tree soon after Hen Galan. I am told that this family follows the free advices to this day. And there we have it. It's just a nice quick one, that. I might well come back to this one later, because I do have more cool stuff to share. Let me know what you thought of this episode. There's loads of small circulation books you can pretty much only pick up at tourist information centres and local businesses, especially in the UK. Grabbing some of my travels feels like a fun way to explore new topics and just share these stories that otherwise are very hard to get hold of. I may be, like I've already said, I may tap the Pembroke books again later for another Luke Law. There's loads more on this, and I did quite enjoy going down to Pembroke. 
It'll be interesting to see if Brennan picks up any of the stories I pull out of them for a full GST podcast. Hopefully you've enjoyed this show and the others. Please feel free to reach out to myself or the main Ghost Story Guys show if you have any questions, feedback, or requests for Luke Law. Ghoststoryguys at gmail.com is the main point of contact, but I'm Luke Greensmith on both Facebook and on Twitter if you want to directly get in contact with me. I'm still interested to see any requested topics you might have to challenge me with this year. There's also our Instagram, which is the distilled weirdness of the internet filtered by the whole GSG crew and brought to you in image form, so please give that a look if you have the chance. Goodbye for now. Goodbye for now.